Hey guys, Rob here. Pulling a little bit of a Kanye and jumping in the beginning of this podcast. I'm going to let you get to the podcast in a second, but I just wanted to let you know in this episode we have special guest RJ Hubert of the Giant Nuggets podcast. Um, it was a really great conversation we had just kind of looking ahead to the, um, the world of film this season. Um, go ahead and check out his podcast on iTunes or GiantNuggets.com, and I hope you guys enjoy the show. Let's pull up a chair and welcome to the table. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast. This is Rob. On this episode, we're going to um, look into some of the upcoming releases coming out this fall and this winter, some of the ones we're most looking forward to, as well as some of the ones that are most likely to blow up the box office. Today, I have RJ Hubert of the Giant Nuggets Podcast. How are you doing today, RJ? I'm excellent. Thanks for having me on today. So, since you're new to the show, why don't you, uh, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, well... First of all, Robert and I met years and years and years ago at grad school in USF. Um, kind of lost touch, but um, right now I'm just working in marketing and uh, kind of have a couple side hustles, if you will. Uh, my first side hustle is a 5K race. It's a Mother's Day 5K, Father's Day 5K. Okay, cool. Two races in Tampa, two in Sarasota. And then I also have the Giant Nuggets podcast, which is uh, when I interview local and national uh, people around the country. And ask them, like, what they're doing to be successful in their careers and in life. Right, right. And we uh, we actually, full disclosure to the listeners, we actually just recorded one of those. So if you're a fan of the Crooked Table podcast, you know, go over to Giant Nuggets podcast and uh, check me out over there. Um, so, you know, how's, how's that been going for you, the podcast and everything? Well, and, like, really networking with people. 21 episodes deep, and it's awesome because I chat with people from all different backgrounds. I've interviewed an Ironman athlete. I've interviewed people who make money blogging. I've interviewed concert photographers who have like successful music blogs. Right. So I get to pick the brains of people who are doing really cool, really interesting stuff. And hopefully, you know, the, their stories can inspire other people. Yeah. And that's the thing. Everybody has a story and everybody's story has a lesson within it. So that's uh, I think that's a really cool idea, especially you know I like how at the end you always get you always ask uh, guests to pull that the giant nugget out of their story. It's like what's the takeaway? Because I mean honestly, that's a lot of times people are are looking for a, a simple advice, and so it's the fact that each episode ends with here's your here's your takeaway. Go go you know take action based on you know these words of wisdom. Yeah, and I gotta tell you, Robert, um, I have this like. Everyone has kind of the grand scheme of what they want to do in life. And I actually want to sort of take these giant nuggets that I get from people in different industries and see if I can maybe write an ebook on that and kind of go that route. That's kind of the grand scheme, but don't ask me when that'll be published because <laughs> I'm not a writer like you. When you feel like you have enough material, you'll just, it'll all coalesce. You'll wake up in the middle of the night one day and just be like, I've got it. Giant nuggets, the book. I'll write it, I'll let you proof it, and you'll be like, what the, what the hell is this garbage? <laughs> there you go. Um, so today we're going to be, like I said, talking about uh, upcoming fall releases. But before we get into that, we usually have a segment where we sort of talk about some of the things we've been looking at, some of the things we've been watching, film, television, that kind of thing. Mostly film, but a lot of times my brother's been on the show and he's way into television more than movies. And he's like, I was watching Walking Dead. I'm like, I, I got nothing. TV yeah. Well, I guess I've heard it's good. Yeah. Zombies, I, I right? might actually jump uh, kind of in his <laughs> footsteps, not on Walking Dead, but on the TV route. But um, let's, let's, let's kick it. All right. All right. So um, 
Last thing I've seen was Straight Outta Compton, which is uh, number one at the box office again. It's, I think it's the only other film other than Jurassic World to to top the box office for multiple weeks this year, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. I, it's getting awesome reviews. People are seeing it week over week. Box office numbers are there. Yeah, and it's crazy. I mean, a, a film about you know about a, a controversial hip hop group from the late '80s, early '90s to come out and and do I think it was fifty-six million opening weekend to do that kind of number. Like, who would have thought that insane. either? Because um, really, NWA, you know, that was twenty some years ago. Right. Like, exactly. Yeah, how are, how are they making these movies now, and who's going to see it? Who remembers NWA? I, well, I mean, I guess it's an education for a lot of younger viewers. But, I mean, that's the thing. A hard R movie about such a, a long, not long, not long, long ago, but long ago that people now that are, are watching Miley Cyrus on the VMAs, are they weren't around. They weren't even born at that time. So And talk about a timely movie um, with all the Ferguson exactly. and these racial... Um, you know, issues between white and blacks in America. I mean, it's just bubbling over, and it was just like NWA was saying these messages 20-odd years ago. Right. And it's just, it's so timely. It's like a perfect storm. Like, those perfect storms don't come around very often. No, I agree. And that's actually something I delve into in the review. I gave it four out of five on CrookedTable.com. You can read the review there. And uh, the movie does a good job not only focusing on, you know, Dr. Dre and Easy e and uh, Ice Cube and, you know, their careers, but also, like, the context that, like, the time that gave birth to that music and, uh, like, sort of the, the the fact that the lives they led and the time they were created in sort of has a, has a uh, go hand in hand with, with the music that they make and, like, their life reflects their art and their art reflects in life. You know, it's sort of, uh, it's an interesting symbiotic relationship and the movie totally works as, as a time capsule, as you were saying. For that era, and it's, it's really kind of startling how strong that still resonates with people. Now, I haven't seen the movie yet. Um, I listened to some of the music, you know, a while ago. I won't claim to be like some super fan now right. that the movie's successful. Um, but I got to ask you, Robert, um, were these guys, were they thugs? Were they harassing people? Were they shooting up liquor stores? There were some, there were some moments where there was that kind of, uh, that kind of violence. From from that, I mean, the and the movie's gotten a lot of criticism for sort of, sort of uh, cleaning up the backstory for the main NWA members. I mean, there's been a big controversy lately that you know Dre's girl docked, beat down, but yeah, they didn't tell exactly. that story. No, that wasn't in there at all. Um, Which, by the way, happened on multiple occasions. Yeah, I know. He's got women. he's got a long history of that. Um, no, they Beats don't by Dre <laughs> in more ways than one. Um, uh, but I mean, there's a few moments with that, but. It, but yeah, it, it does. It definitely paints them in in a a much more positive light than is probably you know historically accurate. But I mean, you know, you you still must sort of expect that with these movies these days. And the fact that both Ice Cube and Dr. Dre are producers on the movie, it's like, what do you think they're gonna? They're not gonna like. They're not gonna look make themselves look like assholes either. It's like you know. As a casual observer in the theater, did you uh, like the movie? I did a lot. I thought it was good, and and uh, I um. I'm, of course, familiar with NWA, but, I mean, their heyday was... I was more into Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers at the time. I mean, I wasn't really, like, listening to, mm. you know, Fuck the Police yeah. or anything like that. Um, <laughs> My dad, by the way, I remember specifically 
he was like, do not play in WA, do not play that song. Really? Because my dad was a cop. Right, well, and, yeah, that's, that would do it. Well, he hates rap music altogether. But, but especially that one. And that messaging, he was like, innocent cops are going to die because of this song. And I don't know if you can make that correlation, but uh, he did. And um, he was like, do not listen to that music. And um, so I sought out other music like that, but never really that. <laughs> Because I, I want to show him some respect. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the, the movie does a good job of, of kind of telling that story. So if you if you haven't seen it, obviously people should check it out. And you know, I think I think you would also especially enjoy it since you you know you were you were around in that time and, and interested in in that genre and that kind of thing. And it, it uh, puts a lot more context behind that song. Well, I mean, I I love kind of like that inner city story. Yeah. I love Boys in the Hood. Um, by the way, that was the first R-rated movie I've ever seen, um, you know, in person. It was at a drive-in, and I remember um, I was actually taken as a guest of my friends. Uh, we were probably 12, 13 at the time right. uh, with their parents, and they had like a station wagon. So we had the back seat kind of folded down, eating the popcorn yeah, in the front classic. seat. And this double feature back in the day, I was 13, so we're talking 95. So, yeah, I'm ancient, but uh, <laughs> uh, first double feature, Boys in the Hood, and then Terminator 2. Nice. So, nice. Not a bad double feature. Yeah, and I remember my mom was, like, calling the parents, do not wa let him watch that first movie. There's so much violence. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to watch it. Of course. So what about you? What have you uh, What have you been watching lately? I got to tell you, man, just like your brother, I'm on the Netflix shows. I'm on Wet Hot American Summer, man. Um, highly recommend it to all you uh, listeners out there. Um, just it takes a funny premise of the, the Wet Hot American movie, right. which is the last day of summer camp, and then flips it and gives it the Netflix treatment, eight episodes on the first day of camp on one actual day. And it's just hilarious. Uh, highly recommend it. Please check it out. And I, I've uh, I've haven't actually haven't seen Wet Hot American Summer, but I've heard Stop, I've friends some podcast now. Watch yeah, it. Right? I have it. Let's, let's go watch it. <laughs> well, I have it. I have it in my Netflix queue. Um, but I've heard that the the big joke with that is that you know David Wayne, the director, was have had all these thirty somethings cast as teenagers, and now it's even more ridiculous because they're like forty somethings playing like sixteen or whatever. Yeah, they're they're playing be. it straight up, and uh, sometimes they're. It gets a little bit no annoying in the dialogue. Like, they have to stress that they're playing a 16-year-old. So, the, the girls or the guys will say something like, yeah, I play volleyball carefree because I'm 15. And they're, like, <laughs> waving their hair in the, in the air. But, you know, it's it's kind of ridiculous that they have to call it out. But I'm on that show. I'm actually on Californication. I know I'm, like, really? 10 yeah. years late for that. But I'm on season four of that. So, nice. can't, can't get enough. You're gonna be you're gonna be firing up the Netflix as soon as we're done recording. <laughs> Probably, I got a fantasy <laughs> draft. I got a dog I got to take care of. But um, you know, as a giant Nuggets guy, thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely, man. So this coming fall, a lot of big movies. I mean, oh, so much, man! A I lot can't of stuff wait. happening. This is like the movie time. If you're a fan of movies, fall, like fall, and obviously spring, right. Spring, summer. Spring and summer. Yeah, it's funny. I was, after coming out of Straight Outta Compton yesterday, I, I, like I mentioned to you earlier, I was just jumped on Periscope for five minutes and I was basically sort of pushing Straight Outta Compton because, I mean, right now you're in that sweet spot where it's like time to catch up on movies you haven't seen because late August and September, 
not as much coming out. And then like October, November, December, it's like every week another huge movie. I mean, with this year really culminating in Star Wars, probably. I mean, that's all I've been hearing for like the past two years. I, that's all my, my wife's been hearing for the past several months. I've been like, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. And she hasn't seen all the movies. So, so we're been... jumping into like the, the, the uh, well, number not... one right, started, right away. I sort of felt like, you know, let's get Star Wars out of it. Let's, let's, oh, okay, let's, yeah, let's, let's get it out of the way. Because um, everybody knows we're going to Let me just ask that. you this, Rob. Um, is Star Wars The Force Awakens the movie that you are most like looking forward to? Yeah, I think so. That's just fun. on a personal level. Okay. Uh, whether or not it'll be the best movie, I mean, we'll see. I mean, the, if anything, the prequels have taught us not to always be trust every Star Wars movie as, you know, well, gospel. J.J. Abrams is the man. He is. His production company, Bad Robot, is awesome. Like, they just do fantastic work. And, you know, they have the script supervisors looking over the notes and making sure it's all there. Right. They're reading the forums. They're going to the convention center and talking to fans. I mean, they're incorporating the best of the best of the notes. The production company is capable. They have amazing actors. It's going to be awesome. I'm pretty sure it is too. I'm just trying to like brace myself. It's also with movies that as anticipated as, as Star Wars: The Force Awakens. It's all about. It's also about tempering expectations because that first time I saw The Dark Knight, I was so excited to see it. So excited to see it. I walked out of it and been like, oh, okay, that was good. But because I had built it up in my head as like this amazing thing, yeah. which it is. But it's like if you have your expectations so unrealistically high, it could be the best movie ever, and you'll still walk up being like. Well, I don't know. I didn't have this, this, and this. I'm like, yeah. well, hello. Were you there? Did you see any of it? Uh, you brought up a great point, man, with the expectations. Like, I'm going to go in. I'm not, like, diehard Star Wars. Like, right. I enjoy the movies for what they are. Um, so I'm going to go in with no expectations. Yeah. And just, like, liking J.J. Abrams. I don't follow all the daily picture reveals. They're really, like, just... the other day they had 15 seconds of footage. It was literally, like, four shots from the movie. <laughs> yeah. Two of which we'd already seen. Mm -hmm. But people were, like, in my social media was blowing up with, like, one yeah, shot. Yeah, we got shots two shots. John Boyega holding a lightsaber. And I was yeah. like, I was excited about it, too. But, I mean, it's just insane how how uh, big the hype is. You know is what I this. think it is? It's that national discussion yeah. uh, that people can feel a part of. Because they enjoy the movie. Everyone's talking about it, and everybody can participate in this conversation. Mm -hmm. So I think that's with The Walking Dead. Um, it's that current pop culture. Same with like America's Got Talent. Even if you might not watch it or right. The Bachelorette, but it somebody people can attach themselves to that thing and then really follow along. And then with Twitter, mm -hmm. with Periscope, with it's all even more network, crazy now. Yeah. And I mean. And which is something that J.J. Abrams has a long history of. I mean, going all the way back to like at least Lost, and uh, just the weekly conversation. Did you have, have you uh, a fan of Lost? Love Lost. That? Yeah, see? Uh, the first season of Lost was probably one of the best seasons of television. Yeah, yeah. In my opinion, um, and I, I'm not a hater. Like everyone hates on the ending and hates that. I mean, I I just enjoyed it. You know, as a whole, it's a character piece. Like the characters are what make it. The story, like the the mysteries. We're pretty clearly sort of like, shit, what is this? What's the explanation? Characters, this? man, like John, L everybody, Sawyer, John Luck, you just say those Desmond, names. Desmond, Desmond is awesome. I mean, you just, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Saeed? J.J. Abrams is not, is not a, a, uh, none of that is foreign to him, I'm sure. But uh, as far as something like Star Wars, bringing back the, you know, the original cast for the film. You know, even though we did say, you know, they have the, the writers, they have great storytelling. I mean, but to assemble all of it and... 
I mean, well, there's a lot of little things, right? Oh my god, that's and that second trailer ending with Han Solo and Chewbacca. Or oh like, yeah, Chewie we're going home. home. Everybody's like, "Oh my god, it's really happening!" It's one of those things, and, and it's funny. Like, I don't even think my wife realized how much I was into Star Wars until this new one was coming because it just fired it back up mm-hmm. again. Um, but I mean, yeah, definitely looking forward to that. I'm excited to see uh, Adam Driver. I think he's the bad guy yeah, in this one. Yeah, he is. Um, great actor. Uh, for those who don't know, he's on Girls. Um, that's how I know him, but I know he's been in a lot of like indie movies that I, I haven't seen. Right, but right. I just he has a I guess a presence. Um, he seems cool and like interesting because he kind of looks weird. Yeah, and he acts weird and he talks weird, which makes it interesting. I think. Yeah, yeah. To see him uh, brandishing a red light lightsaber with that cross guard type of deal, and like he has a, he has sort of a uh, Vader esque mask going on and everything. That should be interesting. It's just interesting casting all around. Actually. Oh yeah, I mean. It's Oscar be... Isaac is in it. I love Oscar Isaac. He's pretty much stellar in everything. That guy is the in. freaking man. Right? Gosh. Uh, what was he in recently? Oh, man. Uh, Ex Machina, if you've seen oh, that. Oh, that movie's awesome. Yeah, right? <laughs> I know. That's one of my favorite movies of the year. Jeez, yeah. It was Incredible brilliant. film. Mm-hmm. Only like four actors in the whole thing. Pretty much, yeah. And uh, they nailed the futuristic aspects. They nailed kind of the technology. And you just knew, like... The foreshadowing with the doors mm-hmm. and the whole red or blue—I don't remember what colors it, they were—but it's and then the movie is is really uh, interesting with the three characters and how it it's like shifting. You, like it's basically your alliance shifts between all three of them at different points. You're like, okay, I think this person is like you don't I should know be rooting for this. I should be rooting for this one. No, no, wait. Oh crap! And then by the end, you're like, I, I don't know what the hell's going on. This yeah. is a mess. Um, but yeah, that's a great film. So, so Star Wars, obviously. What what about for you? Well, if we're what jumping else? into our number ones that we want to see, <laughs> mine is Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight. Oh, Quentin damn. Quentin Tarantino, yeah. um, you know, opens, I think, Christmas Day. And that's a movie that I honestly look forward to. Yeah. And I I honestly try to avoid a lot of the stories, a lot of the trailers. Quentin doesn't really normally give a lot away. Right. Like, some movies show everything. Right. And um, I did watch a trailer for the new one, but... Uh, yeah, it doesn't really yeah. give away a lot plot-wise. I just... You know, I guess all eight people are going to be in one, like, cl- claustrophobic room. And, you know, there's going to be a shootout and explosions. You don't know what's going to happen. And, of course, his dialogue is the best in the biz. He really is. So, yeah. I mean, that's my number one. Yeah. And I, lo- I love that he's brought back so many, like, alumni from earlier films of his. I mean, you got Michael Madsen and Tim Roth and Sam Jackson and Kurt Russell, who was in Death Proof. And pretty much... Jennifer Jason Jennifer Lee. Jennifer, yeah, right? Who? Great. There's great people in this movie, an amazing cast, and and um, he has Ennio Morricone who did like the score to The Good, Bad, and oh, Ugly, yeah. doing the music mm-hmm. for this, and, and he shot it in that really wide like Panavision. I don't yeah. even know what the exact aspect yeah, ratio well, is, film, but just like, really uh, wide. Uh, for and, the people who, yeah, out there who don't know what film is, that was what they <laughs> shot with before uh, digital cameras. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For the younger listeners, um, that's definitely my number one. Um, I gotta ask you this though: Did you see the preview for the new M Night Shyamalan movie? Yeah, and that it, looks awesome. It looks awesome. I was, I had to sort, I did sort of a double take. I, know, I was like, is like, this Panner or Shyamalan? Wait, is this Shyamalan presents like producing yeah. it, or is this like, is it like what? It's directed by Shyamalan. Are you serious? I feel like it's flown under the radar. It really is. And I don't remember off the top of my head what it was called. I was trying to do research yeah, on it. Yeah, the but visit. The visit. And that creepy old grandparents. Everybody thinks grandparents are creepy. Exactly. Which is a great which, story. And you haven't seen that in movies, I don't think. The creepy grandparents. Not Off the top really. of my head, though. No, the only thing I can, only thing I can think of is like that that sequence in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, 
where they're in hell and the and the like grandma's like chasing after one of them to get a kiss or something. That freaked me the <laughs> hell out as a kid. But that's a that's yeah. There's not a lot of uh, evil or I mean we don't even know if they're evil. That's the great thing about this movie. Like I don't know if they're gonna be possessed if they have like schizophrenia if it's if there's or some there's dementia right like, or what's going on we don't know what's age. happening i love what's that. gonna happen to us when we get old there yeah <laughs> the sequel <laughs> but uh yeah i mean it's i feel like it's one of those movies that could be a sleeper hit and he's Shyamalan's like really do to redeem himself i would say there's probably no expectation for him now yeah in now. his movies and he still has the name like, you hear M. Night Shyamalan, people are probably going to be interested, and then they sit, I saw the preview, my girlfriend saw it, and we're both like, damn, this looks good. Yeah, yeah, my wife was like, you're not, I'm not seeing that one, you don't have to see it with someone else. I'm like, alright, well, I still want to see it. I mean, so. I'm a big horror fan in general. Right. Like, uh, I mean, I, I'm not like, you know, a super Oh, there's some people that are, that are really into it, But yeah. like, I, I enjoy them. Yeah, yeah. It could be a good one, I'm, I'm hopeful. Mm-hmm. I'm hopeful. So what about, we were talking a little bit just before we started about Black Mass. It feels, it seems like we're both sort of conflicted and a little, little leery of it. Dude, Johnny Depp. What, what the hell is with that guy, first I don't of all? know. Um, I mean, he's, he's basically, I feel like he's playing variations on Jack Sparrow in every movie now. Like, weird accent, funny, quirky attitude. Yeah, and, uh, he has to be like, a, he has to play the weirdo. Yeah, basically, and the fact that his I think his next movie after this is Alice in Wonderland, the se- like the sequel uh, to that. I'm like, oh crap! I mean, he's not learning any lessons from any of this. Honestly, movie. the the trailer didn't inspire me. I wasn't excited after seeing it, and I think, like peripherally, everyone's like, yeah, crime mafia movie, yeah, Johnny Depp, yeah, Boston. You know what else? You know what it reminds me of actually is Gangster Squad, which came out I think what last year, I the year before saw that. It. It's got Sean Penn, you know, with ridiculous prosthetics on, and mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, and had a really good cast, and came out, and critics ripped it to shreds, and nobody saw it. It reminds me of, when I saw it, I was like, The Town, the Ben Affleck movie. I actually like that movie a lot. Yeah, it was a good movie. Yeah, that yeah. was a great one. But it's, I, I feel like they're leaning too hard on, remember The Departed? Remember how great that was? Maybe yeah. this is like that. And the thing is, too, the character that Johnny Depp is playing, Whitey Bulger, was a big inspiration for the Jack Nicholson character in The Departed. So I don't I don't know how how much they're sort of banking on like reining in fans of The Departed or but the big thing I took away from it was Johnny Depp looks weird. What a great cast! This could still be a piece of shit though. That's what I was like. Oh man. True I, or false? This is actually Johnny Depp's real hair. I have no idea. It wouldn't surprise me. Who knows? All those wigs he's been putting on all these movies, all these years. It wouldn't surprise me. But like I'm looking at his IMDb. Right now, and it's like the last time I can see him being in a movie that I could actually say was good. Jeez, we're going... Sweeney Todd. I loved Sweeney Todd in 2007 that he did with Tim Burton. That's about it. Like, even Public Enemies was okay. Uh, And then Alice in Wonderland, The Tourist, Pirates 4, and uh, and it gets worse (sighs) from there. So So much potential. I know, I know. He just needs to... I don't know what he, he needs to get hooked up with like a, an awesome Tarantino needs to, needs to there you go or yeah Tarantino, Tarantino bring him back oh man he just... he's got the Midas touch for that wow you heard it here first I think Travolta's last movie before Pulp Fiction was Look Who's Talking Now wasn't it something like that uh, no, and then, no and then he showed up in Pulp Fiction and the people were like what the hell where has he been the last fifteen years yeah so uh, so Black Mass what about what about you um I tell you one movie that. I think it looks epic. Everest? 
Really? With yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, good cast in there, too. I actually. think they filmed portions on location. Um, and then I think they were like in probably some French town um, in the Alps or something. But uh, I think Everest is going to blow some blow some minds. Yeah, it it looks like it it could be really interesting and, and definitely has the spectacle. You haven't really seen a lot of movies set on the top of mountains. Like, what was the last like big one? Alive or like? I remember. I mean, Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger was awesome. I mean, was Sylvester lot. Stallone. Yeah, um, was great. Uh, yeah, so like maybe some of the westerns are making their way back. Maybe it's time for that kind of adventure. Yeah, maybe seeker, explorer. Um, you know, people are gonna die in avalanches. I mean, I think it's gonna be a good guy movie. Just that Friday night, Saturday night. Let's just go out and see a really cool movie, right? Like, where you don't have to think too much. It's just like you sit back and you like see the sights, and you're just like in it. Mm-hmm. And Jake Gyllenhaal, especially. I mean, the cast is. Pretty uh, pretty comprehensive. Jake Gyllenhaal, Kieran Knightley, Robin Wright, Josh Brolin, Sam Worthington, Jason Clark. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal has really been on fire. Like every movie he's been he's been putting out. <sighs> Did you see Southpaw? I haven't seen Southpaw yet. Either, I, I, and I've heard the cool. I've heard the movie is sort of yeah. I've heard mixed things about the movie, but his performance is like fierce from what I've I heard. saw. Nightcrawler, which was before that, right? And that was a, a pretty good movie. That's really it's really impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Just he his looks physical transformation in there. and like just creepy and he's a great actor he's probably you know top five to ten actors right now yeah for sure for sure um let's see another actually sort of jumping off of that we're talking about everest and it's uh you know adventure at at uh <laughs> pretty uh extraordinary heights uh the walk looks really interesting that's the one with oh, joseph yeah. gordon levitt as uh you know that that the French, high the wire. Frenchman who did the high wire across the uh the world trade center and it's, that was with Robert Zemeckis. Robert Zemeckis, which I think is a weird director for this movie. It is right. He, yeah, he's, uh, he's Polar Express. Polar Express, but he's also Forrest Gump, Castaway, Back to the Future. Well, yeah, I mean, you Roger can't Robert. argue against those movies. Yeah, it's. Uh, he seems like he's he's very much into championing you know new approaches to doing to doing things. I mean, you know, Polar Express, and uh, he did a, actually a couple more of those: Beowulf and then the Christmas Carol, like the motion capture, full motion capture movie. Um, it seems like he he's he is taking advantage of you know new filming techniques and like it, mm-hmm. it looks like uh, the walk is being it's really being billed as an IMAX experience because you know being shot from up high and all that so it could be really interesting I'm not sure if uh, if the spectacle if so much emphasis is going to be on the spectacle and not on the story and the characters well, and the journey to that point but I gotta tell you man I saw a preview for this movie and I hear Joseph Gordon Levitt talking in this weird French accent. <laughs> And he looks a little fruity, and he's talking in this this accent, and like I'm just like, oh, I don't know. I'm looking looking for the perfect place to. Yeah. Oh gosh, man. And of course he gets up there and he injures his foot, and it's windy, and I think that the whole walking thing will be cool. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. But it's like, is but the whole movie is the is the personal like the personal journey behind that gonna actually be interesting, or is it just gonna be like biding your time, twiddling your thumbs until that like final act? set piece i guess yeah yeah does he die i don't know i actually they did a um a documentary about him a few years ago called man on wire and i've been tempted to sort of look it up but i feel like if i know that it's going to ruin the, <laughs> the movie for me so i'm like oh, i'll find out after i watch the movie i don't know that i'm putting the, put this out there i don't know but I, I don't think he dies i'm assuming not otherwise it's it's kind of it's not a story of triumph it's a story of some crazy guy who <laughs> fell to his death from the top of the world trade center <laughs> um well, talking about like 
you know, high wire acts kind of segueing into Bond. Right? Yeah. That could be really interesting. Christoph Waltz is the villain, who everybody says isn't Blofeld, but I mean, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Blofeld. Well, I I don't know that, but that guy's awesome. Yeah, he is. (laughs) Whatever his character is, that guy's the man. Um, Daniel Craig, jacked, and awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. And Skyfall was was a really good film. Oh, yeah. And some people have issues with certain elements of the plot and all that, but I mean, just, that was one of those movies where just as I was sitting in the theater, certain shots of it, I was just like, holy shit, the cinematography in this is incredible. And just the way everything was was, was portrayed and, and uh, Javier Bardem as the villain and oh, all that, that guy's stuff. The that man. was incredible. <laughs> Like, yeah. and I feel like, and it's the same director coming back for Spectre. Oh, yeah. It's uh, Sam Mendes, who of American Beauty fame. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, I have a, a lot of faith in that Spectre could be could be the best Bond of the Daniel Craigs uh, yeah. to date. So After them, hopefully they bring on uh, Idris. That's what everybody's been saying. That. And my whole thing is that there's all this debate every time any, like, you know, post on the internet is like, Idris Elba is Bond. What do you guys think? And everybody's... You know, sort of evenly spread between he'd be awesome and oh, black James Bond. I don't know. I'm like, but the thing to me is that my my argument that I always go to is, it's not important that James Bond is a white guy or a black guy. It's important that he's a British guy. That's the only thing that really matters. Mm-hmm. Idris Elba is British. Like I would understand if they're like Tyrese as James Bond. I'm like, well, he's an American. That doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Dude, you know, I was just thinking about this the other day. Complete, well, a little bit on topic. Um, Mission Impossible is kind of like the American version. It really is. The last, of, the, the most recent movie, did yeah. you see Rogue Nation? Yeah. That was basically a Bond movie. Yeah, With The villain and the, the Bond girl and yeah, all that. Yeah, exactly. And they have, you know, the super high-tech gadgets, gadgetry yeah. that, you know, 007 pretty much started, um, you know, so with M. Um, I wasn't actually that impressed by the newest Mission Impossible 4. Oh, but the newest, the Rogue Nation? Yeah, Rogue Nation. Yeah. Um, I actually like the, the third one better and like the Abu Dhabi Desert. Right, right, It's like right, Ghost right. Protocol. Or... Yeah, actually Ghost Protocol was four. Rogue Nation oh, was five. Yeah, it's, Ghost Protocol was it's, awesome. I, it's it's like hard to keep track nowadays yeah. though because there's so many of them. So my idea is that they do the next Mission Impossible, MI6. That's 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 your James Bond crossover right there. I mean, <laughs> he works. James Bond works for MI6. There mm-hmm. you go. Make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Spectre. I have a lot of. Uh, I'm really excited about that. Actually, one of one of the ones I'm most looking forward to actually is uh, Crimson Peak. I don't know if you're familiar with this, no. but this is like it's a gothic horror film. Uh, I don't know. I think it's. I'm not sure if it's a haunted house type of deal. I think I think that's what's going on. Uh, I think believe Crimson Peak is the name of the estate. Mm. And it's got uh, Mia Wasikawa, uh, Jessica Chastain, Charlie Hunnam, uh, Tom Hiddleston. It's from uh, Guillermo del Toro, who's pretty much done I've seen one film, one awesome film after another. Basically, Guillermo even, del Toro is the man. Even like P- Pacific Rim, I thought worked was worked, worked perfectly. At like, I saw it. Really, you need to see giant monsters and giant robots. Yeah, I know. Come it on. looked it looked a little hokey. It is a little hokey, but it embraces its hokiness. Right. That's the thing. Who is the main actor in that? Idris Elba. Wasn't it Russell Crowe? Well, Idris Elba is, is one of the main in Pacific Rim, and then Charlie Hunnam, who's actually in this. Oh, okay. He's from uh, Sons of Anarchy. And oh, kind of yeah. Was he supposed to be the Christian Grey? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he was. He backed out. He What's backed he... out. It was probably a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> that that movie looks like a mess. <laughs> Obviously, I have no you know no interest in seeing that. I started it. It was like, I don't know if it was on Netflix, or we, it was like a Redbox, and my girlfriend and I started it, and we're thinking... It was your idea, wasn't it? I was like, let's check it out. Let's see what the hype is. 
after ten minutes, we were just bored. Like from just, what I've heard, it's not even like it's not even sexy. No. It's just it was just boring. He, I didn't even he, get to the sexiness. So yeah. we're like, all right, this is. <laughs> from what I've heard, he basically like you know seduces her because she's virginal and all that, and and then makes her like sign contracts and stuff. I'm like, this is freaking weird. That's not even like it's not even hot. That's just strange. You know, and they re- she like overacted like this innocent girl who like doesn't know anything. She's all timid. Down. Yeah, and like. While we're talking about, um, you know, kind of girl movies, this is probably a girl movie, but it's going to be, I think, hilarious for the guys as well. That's Sisters. Oh, Tina yeah. Fey yeah. And I Amy love Tina Fey. I mean, I think it's going to be kind of like Step Brothers, uh, where they're just kind of riffing back and forth right. and all these different scenes, but it's going to be hilarious. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, it seems like anywhere one of them goes, the other one comes along, and I'm totally fine with that. Like, I was watching Anchorman 2 on Netflix recently, and they have that, of course, they have a big cameo where everybody shows up. The fight and, scene? Yeah, the big fight scene. And then both of them showed up randomly. And I was like, of course, there they are together. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Tina Fey is brilliant. I, I, I'm, I love pretty much everything she's done. I'm a big fan of 30 Rock. and I still have to see The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I've heard amazing things about Hilarious. it. Hilarious. Yeah. Check it out. That's what I've heard. There's this uh, black gay guy on the show um, who's who plays like this theater um, actor. And he's the funniest thing on the show. Really? Mm. Wow. So, yeah, I, de- I definitely want to see that. And it's been a while. I mean, well, I mean, I guess we had Trainwreck. But other than, like, Trainwreck is, like, the only, like, female-led mm-hmm. comedy that's really broken out this year. I mm-hmm. Spy, I guess, did, too. I, I don't know. I haven't seen that one yet. I did you get a chance? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe Sisters will sort of fill that void mm-hmm. um, this this fall. So is there anything else coming up in the fall in the summer or uh, the well, winter that you want to hit on? October 25th, The Martian. That looks interesting. It does. Um... My, uh, it looks kind of like other recent space movies. It looks a little interstellary. Yeah, and it's like, can they save him? Can he? Are they, is he gonna die? He has twenty five days on right. Mars. And it's like it's an interesting premise. Like it's it's a it's a solid premise. But I mean, I, last time I saw Matt Damon in a sci fi movie was Elysium, and that was rough. And last time Ridley Scott did a sci-fi movie, that was Prometheus, and that was that was also pretty rough. I enjoyed Prometheus when I saw it in the theater, but I don't think it holds up that second time. No, I was no. watching it, and I was like, oh my god, not even, yeah. But and the trailer for it was amazing; like they really sold it. What America. I'm wondering is, like, if that script gets passed around, so I have The Martian, I attach Matt Damon to it. Do they just go right to the space director, Ridley I, Scott? Right? Like, I, I don't know. And the funny thing is, I think the next thing he's doing is Prometheus too. So he's just like all up in space yeah. these days. Gosh, I don't know. He feel like he's at that stage of his career that he's just like, all right, whatever. I'll, I'll, what did I do before that people liked? I'll do another one of those. That kind of thing. As opposed to someone like George Miller, who came out with Mad Max Fury Road, and he's like seventy-seven or something like that, and blew people away. And he's like, hey, I'll show you whippersnappers how it's done. <laughs> Coming out at his age and delivering that movie looked epic. I didn't get a chance to see it, but yeah. It looked pretty sweet. It's, uh, I need to it see reminds it. reminds me of, like, that death, what's that, like, death proof or... Death, like, death, death race, maybe? Death race. Yeah. With, like, Jason Stratham. Like, yeah, yeah. Crazy-ass vehicles just yeah. blowing each other up. Right. And I need to see Mad Max Fury Road again, because I, when I saw it initially, I saw it, like, in, like, first thing, mm-hmm. in the like, first screening in the morning, and, and there's not a lot of dialogue. It's mostly really cool visuals, but it totally holds up, like, from a technical standpoint. It's really impressive achievement. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, I feel like Ridley Scott is sort of the anti George Miller right now. He's I don't I don't really trust his judgment as far as what projects he's taking on. But you know, The Martian has some positive buzz behind it. So do you think like overall, like we're heading into a pretty strong fall? 
I think so. I mean, in addition to the ones we mentioned, we also have Sicario, which is like a crime uh, drama with Emily Blunt and uh, Benicio Del Toro. Um, We have Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2, the last one of those, which I just saw Part 1 recently, and it was was decent. I mean, I read the books, so I sort of know what to expect, but at this point, you know, obviously being a student of pop culture, I'm like, all right, I gotta, like, see this through to the end now, I suppose. Um, The Night Before looks really funny with Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Seth Rogen. And, yeah, uh, actually, Anthony Mackie, that looks really. I didn't. Really I didn't watch any uh, previews on that because I kind of want to be surprised. Yeah, but yeah. I do like. I enjoy Seth Rogen. I think I uh, do too. He sometimes he gets bad press, but uh, I I think he's funny. Yeah, he doesn't have a lot of range, but yeah, who cares? Exactly. I mean, his movies are consistently solid. Yeah. Um, then you have the new Pixar movie, The Good Dinosaur. But before we go, I think we wanted to. We were both talking about The Revenant beforehand, which is one of the last movies of the year. It also comes out around Christmas time. So what were your what was your reaction to that initial trailer with Leonardo DiCaprio hanging out like in the Viking age? Uh, it looks freaking amazing. Um, it, it doesn't really. Uh, I, I saw the preview in the theater and just there's a lot of like heavy breathing, a lot of like running through the forest, a lot of guns and like primal action, and just it seems really unique and really cool. And Leo is the man. So. Some people are saying that this might finally be, you know, I mean, they say this every time he puts out a movie. This might finally be his chance for Oscar. I, th- I sort of feel like he's at that stage that he's pro- if he hasn't gotten one yet, he's probably not going to get one. Mm. I feel like the Academy is sort that. of taking him for granted now. And they're just like, yeah, he's awesome, whatever. Um, he deserves it. And he he has delivered several, like, Oscar-worthy performances. I feel like I read something where, like, he doesn't have much dialogue in this movie. That could be... In, in, um, so, that could be interesting to see how they how he plays it. But yeah, I'm re- I'm really excited. What what do you think? Are you excited? I'm cautiously excited because I mean, there's, there's a lot of times when we see a, a really incredible trailer for something, and then the movie is has like that one incredible scene, and then the rest of it's just sort of like plotting or overly long and that kind of thing. But I'm curious about it for two reasons. Obviously, DiCaprio is pretty reliable when it comes to his projects, and then the director behind it is Alejandro Inarritu, who the last movie he did was Birdman, which I loved Birdman. Birdman was so cool, right? <laughs> I know. I, I was uh, obviously you know. Being the age that we are, growing up with Michael Keaton as Batman, seeing him sort of do like an like a an indie movie, like psychological like take on how you know what would happen to an actor 20, 30 years after playing an iconic. It's superhero. almost like the wrestler it, a little bit. It was very much like the wrestler. Yeah, the rest. I feel like Birdman, the wrestler, Black Swan, or like some like uh, I need to put together a film festival for like tortured performers or something. <laughs> Because there's so many of those movies lately. And, of course, Oscar ate, ate that shit up because it's all about the movie business and it's hard and about actors and about, you know, the industry and that kind of thing. Darren Aronofsky. Yeah. He followed up Black Swan with Noah. I never actually watched that. Did you see it? I did. It had some interesting things going for it. I didn't, like, I didn't love it. I'm a huge fan of Black Swan, though. What's he going to do next, you know? I have no idea. Because he, I've liked all his movies. I mean, I haven't seen Noah, but... Every, all these other movies are like really unique. Requiem for a Dream will mess you up. <laughs> that's one of the. That's one of those films that I can't. I don't know if I can watch it again. It's just. It's. It's very disturbing. Yeah, it is. Well, it's just the intended effect. So you know, good job, Aronofsky. I guess. Um, and that. And every time you see any article online, it's like movies you'll never watch again. It's like <laughs> I'm like I always click on it because I'm because I'm thinking to myself, Requiem for a Dream is going to be on here, and it always is. I'm like, yeah, good. Okay, this person did the research. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, yeah, I mean. Like, can't wait for uh, some of these movies. Big fall and winter coming up. It should be interesting with the uh, award season and everything. See what blows up. But anything else you have to say? If you guys want to check out my blog, giantnuggets.com. Follow me on Twitter, RJ underscore HBT. And on Facebook, it's just forward slash giantnuggets. Here in Tampa Bay, 
Robert and I are going to take over the world. That's right. One podcast episode at a time. Amen. Of course, you can follow me at Crooked Table on Twitter and find us on Facebook. Read our movie reviews and other articles on crookedtable.com. Let us know, you know what you're most looking forward to for the fall. We'd love to hear from you. See you guys next time. Roll credits. All right, we're back with the Encore segment. This is where we share something that we're into that you guys might not know about, whether that's a film, a TV show, website, YouTube channel, music, whatever. So I've been listening to The Weeknd a lot, but I know that that's on the radio every five seconds, so I won't be talking about that. Um, I, instead, I'm going to talk about a movie called What We Do in the Shadows. Uh, this is actually a film out of New Zealand, and it's do, uh, directed by a couple people involved in Flight of the Concords, the HBO show from back in the day. And it's basically a mockumentary about a bunch of vampires living together. And of course, you know, there's different different generations of vampire. You have the one that's like ancient and like Nosferatu style. And then you have like the young hipster that's only been around for a few decades, whatever, that kind of thing. And it's all about them sort of living life and coexisting. And it's like the real world for vampires. And it's really interesting and very uh, subversive in, his, in its humor, especially if you're into, you know, the different variations of vampire films that's been over the years like i said nosferatu or one of the characters is styled after uh, gary oldman's dracula from the coppola movie back in the 90s uh it's a really interesting film and i feel like it it's sort of went under the radar but it's gotten stellar reviews and i saw it a couple weeks ago and it definitely lived up to the hype and hmm. uh, yeah the movie is available redbox oh. uh, streaming on itunes anywhere like that okay it's it's uh it's pretty accessible now but when it came out in theaters it was one of those it was like a very select mm-hmm. limited release yeah. so uh, yeah, I want to give a shout out to The Rock. There's not too many actors that I just really enjoy, wh- whatever they're in, you know. And I just think The Rock has a great personality. Um, his movies are fun. The Fast and Furious, I mean, he's added that element. Uh, for those who haven't seen it, check out Ballers on HBO. He plays this awesome sports um, financial advisor, almost in the vein of like an entourage. I just, uh, you know, he's a great actor, I think, and uh, has range, and uh, I enjoy him in the movie season. So, and he's got that perfect balance of being physically intimidating, but also having like impeccable comic timing, which is one of the reasons why I feel like the Rundown is probably one of his best movies because he's able to sort of be goofy but then like kick ass at the same time. So that's cool. Yeah, people should definitely check that out. Yeah. All right, that's all we got this Th- time. Thanks for having me on, man. All right, see you guys next time. This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. F-Z-R-O-O-K-E-D. <laughs> <laughs>